1: This episode is brought to you by my inductive Bible study courses for kids all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. If you have kids and you're trying to find a Bible curriculum or Bible resource that will teach them how to deep dive into the actual text of scripture, but yet walk them through step-by-step in an easy-to-follow way, then you're going to want to check out our inductive Bible study courses. Did you know that you could try out the first 10 pages of our Book of James self-study workbook? Absolutely free. This resource is for grades five through twelve, and you can find it at four one more dot com forward slash try James. I will also put the link in the show notes at four one more dot com forward slash eighty four. Welcome to episode eighty four, where you get to listen in on my conversation with Dawn Mole, host of the One Faithful Mom podcast. Dawn speaks to us and gives us wisdom from her many years of parenting experience. And we're going to talk about relational mothering. We're going to talk about why motherhood is so hard, but why it's so valuable to invest that time and energy into the relationships we have with our kids. She has some great advice. If you're a mom of littles and you feel like you're drowning in the toddler years, she has advice for you. And if you're a mom of teenagers, I mainly have teenagers now, she has great advice for us as well. So I I think every stage of motherhood, you're going to find some wonderful wisdom and advice in this conversation I had with Dawn. So grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and enjoy this conversation. Dawn,
0: thanks for joining us on today's episode. Hi, Abby. I am absolutely thrilled to be here with
1: you. So before we jump into our topic, go ahead and introduce your family to
0: us. Okay, well, my name is Dawn Moll, and I am extremely blessed to live in the beautiful low country of South Carolina, where people come to tour and visit and are very jealous of those who live here. <laughs> um, I've lived here my whole life, and my husband and I have been married for 36 years, and we have 10 children. And those children are now ages 32, all the way down to 13. I have three grandsons currently. And gosh, I've been homeschooling. This is my 25th year of homeschooling this year. So, and my youngest is in eighth grade. So I've still got about four more years to go. Wow.
1: That is amazing to think about like that. 25 years, but you, but you're almost done.
0: Uh, no, it's so crazy. I don't have any little children anymore. Yes. Like my kids are. All independent now. Yes. You know, it's yeah, it's really wild.
1: <laughs> yes. Do you miss the baby years or do you love those independent years?
0: I really, really am a baby mom. Are you? I love babies. Uh-huh. Yes. And so I do spend a lot of time when I'm alone in my car, I'm I'm doing a lot of the remembering. Aww. And thinking back. And it's funny because now when I have my grandchildren in my car, mm-hmm. it just takes me right back to having my little kids in my car. So there's a lot of nostalgia going on in my life
1: right oh, now. <laughs> I love that. So this is perfect because you have you have so much experience at all these different seasons. So I think you can really speak to the topic today. What we're talking about is uh, relational mothering. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? How would you define it?
0: Relational mothering to me means getting to know your children and rather than, you know, let, let me say this. I don't believe that relational mothering means that you are your kid's best buddy throughout their whole childhood and teenage years. That. Is a whole different set of issues. But what it does mean is that you're not standing off to the side and just being the authority in their life, that you build that relationship. I think it's Josh McDowell who said, Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Mm-hmm. And I just really strongly believe that's true. And I believe that if we take the time to build relationships with our children, they truly do become our best friends. I mean, I have seven adult children now and those children are all my very best friends. And we talk about things that we have in common and that we enjoy. We do things together. We like to spend time together. So I'm not just the mom who raised them, but we truly still have relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. And we have those relationships because I started building them when they were young children.
1: So how does that look like then in everyday life to apply that? So what you're saying, you started this when they were young children. How did that look?
0: You know, one time I asked my children a couple of years ago, when I was working on um, a blog post, I asked them to tell me what I had done when they were younger that made them feel close to me or that built that relationship. And my kids told me things like one of my daughters, who's very musical and very gifted in that way, said, no matter what else was going on in our life, you always took the time out to take me to piano lessons, to give me violin lessons, guitar lessons. You took me to choir She said, I knew that whatever I was interested in, excuse me, was important to you Mm -hmm. and you made time for it to happen. I have a son who he didn't read until he was almost 11 years old and he mentioned you were really patient with me learning as I could learn it. I never felt like you were angry with me about what I couldn't do. Or I had a son who's really, really super stubborn. And it was, we had a lot of really difficult times when he was little. And he said, you know, even when you had to discipline me, I never felt like you were mad at me. I always felt like you loved me even when you were disciplining me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that <clears throat> that's how it plays out in everyday life is stepping into your child's life. I read a blog post one time. And the title of the blog post was Would You Want You as a Mom? Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of feedback from that blog post, moms who were like, Whoa, whoa, -hmm. I've never thought about this. But I just asked some questions in that post things like, If you were your little boy, would you feel comfortable, you know, saying this to your mom? Or if you were your seven year old, would you tell you a joke? And knowing that you would laugh, Mm -hmm. just really trying to put yourself in your child's shoes and seeing the way you parent them from their eyes. That to me is relational mothering. And that is how it plays out in everyday life is putting yourself in your child's shoes. Cause I think that's hard to do, Abby. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to take ourselves back to what it felt like to be completely vulnerable, completely dependent and really without recourse if you're not treated fairly or you feel like you're not treated fairly. And trust me, I say to my kids all the time, don't be looking for fair. What's fair is that Jesus didn't come and die for you and save you from your sins." So I'm not all about the, you know, rights of the child and the, the, kids are first it's it's mm-hmm. not about that it's just about empathizing with their position mm-hmm. and trying to understand and remember that children do childish things yes dr That's, dobson yeah. said one time we have to know the difference between foolishness and childishness
1: yes and sometimes that's hard at when, when you're just concerned that your children are making you look bad as the parent, right? Yes. And it's easy to, easy to forget that. So if yes. we're not using relational mothering, what, what's the default mode? What do we tend to do?
0: I think the default mode is we just step back and let things play out like they will. Mm-hmm. I had a mom say to me one time who knew my family very well. We were very close friends. And she said, you know, I would love to be as intentional about my mothering as you are. And I would love to do some of the things with my children that you do. But honestly, I just don't want to put all that effort into it. First of all, I was shocked that she just bold-faced said that to me. Like, wow, you just admitted you really don't want to mother your children. But I think that's really pretty common Mm -hmm. is it takes a lot of work to be that kind of parent, if you're going to invest that kind of time in your children to really get to know them, to give up the schedule to go to music lessons, to get down on your knees so you look your seven-year-old son in the eye and talk to him, to be understanding and, and try to hear their point of view on things, it takes time. That's just not as easy as sitting your kid down in front of a screen or sending them out to play with the neighbors or whatever it might be that takes intention. Mm-hmm. And so the default is we just, we just kind of trust the culture to raise our kids and we make rules and we discipline and make sure they do their homework And that's kind of it. We just let things, we kind of let the chips fall where they may, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Right.
1: And, you know, it's funny, before we have kids, we have a lot of opinions about, you know, what motherhood's going to be like or how we're going to do it. And I find that it's interesting that all of our theories go out the window when we actually have to parent. (laughs) It's like, oh, this really is not easy. And like you said, it takes intention. It takes effort. Why, like, why? like, What is it about mothering that is so difficult other than these things? Is there anything else that comes to mind? Why is this so difficult? Well, I'll tell you
0: why it's so difficult because your children don't go along with your plans. Yes. Very true. <laughs> That's why we think it's going to be so easy because we think, well, I'll do this and I'll do this yeah. and I'll do this and it'll all be fine. And then you have the children.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and
0: yeah. they have minds of their own. Yes. You know, I was talking in my podcast last week about being at home with your children all day and still loving them at bedtime. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not very easy if you've been with them all day to still love them at bedtime. I mean, my oldest daughter has a two-year-old and a five-month-old. And even with the two-year-old, she's like, I mean, sometimes bedtime, I'm just like, oh, how can I do another day of this? Yes, yes. (laughs) But I think that's what makes it so hard Mm -hmm. is... Even if we feel convicted and committed to to being a very intentional mother
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we know what we want to do, the children themselves don't make it easy. And so we're thwarted at every turn by the children themselves. And then by this world system, you know, we we aren't exactly set up for success
1: Mm -hmm.
0: just because our enemy fights against us. And so we just we just really have to go into it with prayer and conviction. And I think conviction, if I had to choose one word, that's what it would be. We have to have deep convictions about what we want our mothering to look like. Because if we don't, we're going to naturally, like you said, go back to that default of this is too hard. It would be easier to just let them do this thing mm-hmm. and not worry about it. I think that's what makes it so hard. Like our children are people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what Charlotte Mason said. You know, children are born persons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're not just this blank slate that we get to write whatever we want to write on it. Mm-hmm. They're born with personalities and we can only work with what we're given are they moldable yes they're moldable but they're not like a big blank whiteboard you can just write on it what you want it to say Mm -hmm. we work with their personalities and with their god-given gifts but that's hard because it might not look like we want it to
1: yeah so based on that, based on knowing our kids are these, these people with personalities, and we have to use that, too, as we're building these relationships with them, have you personally seen successes with this in your own relationship with your kids? Maybe would you mind sharing some of those? Um, because of relational mothering, what successes have you seen?
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Our family... Let, let me... Let me back up a second and tell you this. I am an only child, okay? Mm-hmm. I was raised an only child who went on to have 10 children. So that always makes people laugh. They're like, what in the world? Yeah. And I always say, like, I blame my mom. I said, uh-huh. see what you made me do? You gave yeah. me nobody to play with, nobody yes. to talk to, nobody to blame things on. Right. <laughs> it right. was just all me. Yes, And so I really do laugh and say that I gave birth to my playmates. So that's what I did. I wanted people around me, mm-hmm. so I gave birth to them. Mm-hmm and I I do laugh sometimes and say it worked out better than I even thought it would. It was one of my plans that actually worked, because my grown children, my adult children, truly are the very best friends I have, Mm -hmm. and they grew up, and they have their own interests, but because because I encouraged those interests and because we had a lot of conversations. And that's another thing about relational mothering is you have to be prepared to have a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I had teenagers, I also had babies. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean I was getting a nice night's sleep. I was up until one, two in the morning, talking to a teenager while I was also up again at four to feed a baby. Mm -hmm. But those late nights and those conversations built relationships. Mm -hmm. So my older children now come back to me for advice, for counsel. I have promised them that I would not give them unsolicited advice when they become parents. Mm -hmm. And my oldest son and his wife have an eight-year-old little boy And I promised them this when she was pregnant. I was like, I'm never going to give you unwanted advice. And I took that very seriously. And I didn't ever give them advice. And a few years ago, as little boys tend to do, my grandson started kind of sowing his wild oats a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my son asked me for advice. And I said, remember what I told you? I told you I would never give you advice. And he said to me, what I think is... Really, the answer to your question about about an example, he said, no, mom, that's not what you said. What you said was you would never give us unsolicited advice. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now I'm asking you for help. Mm -hmm. So please help me. To me, that is the epitome of that relationship. Mm -hmm. I made him a promise that I would never tell him what to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And when the time came that he needed the help, he came to me for it. asked for it and and the same with my older daughter you know she has these two little boys two and under she needs a lot of help right now and there's not a day that goes by that she doesn't call me or text me and she only lives 30 minutes away from me to say you know the baby is doing this or the two-year-old is doing this and I feel like that is the proof in the pudding so to speak of that building those relationships is that my children come to me first. Mm-hmm. If, if, if one of the older children has to make a decision, a business decision, a job decision, a vehicle to buy, mm-hmm. um, if one of my older kids is sick and they need to go to the doctor, they're always going to come to my husband or myself first and want to talk it through with us. How do you see this, mom and dad? Like, what do you recommend I do next? What's the first step I need to take? And that to me, that's what you do with your friends, you know, right, Abby, you have a decision to make, you know, you call your friend or you call your Mm -hmm. sister or you call your aunt or you call your mom or Mm -hmm. that's those relationships, the people that you go to for help, for encouragement, for consolation when you're hurting, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, those people that you go to first are the ones you have the deepest relationships with. Yeah. And I'm just super blessed that my kids come to me when they need that kind of help, and and also my grandchildren. You know, my grandchildren mm-hmm. beg to come. That I am May to them, mm-hmm. and the two year old already he got in trouble for something the other day, and and my daughter is voice recording him and sends it to me, he's crying because she has disciplined him. And he's saying, I want me, oh. I want May <laughs> but you know, the eight-year-old grandson, he wants to come to my house. Yeah. And so it just, like, it has this ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I have wonderful relationships with my adult children. And so now I'm also getting the huge gift of their children also yes. want to have a relationship with me. Yes so it just trickles down. I love that. And do you don't you feel like this is mm-hmm. a really big reason
1: why if families can homeschool in through all the way through high school, they're gaining that time yes. that if you're sending your kid off to public school and then they have sports and they have homework and they have all, then they're with their friends, you hardly ever see them whereas yeah. if your kids are home and you're homeschooling, I feel like that benefit even more than academics is you have the time And this, you know, you're, you're near each other more Mm -hmm. to invest
0: in that relationship. Yeah. I want to add something in there to that, Mm -hmm. because that is something really cool that I wouldn't actually have brought up, but there have been several times over the years that my older children have thanked me for homeschooling them. And they've specifically said, even when they were still in high school, I've had my high schoolers say to me, mom. I'm so glad you homeschool me because they see the relationships that some of their friends have with their younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And, and they'll say things like, I just don't think, and they'll name one of their younger siblings. I just don't think like John and I would be best friends if I was in school all day or what, whatever it is, they even see it in high school. They can even see that if they were in school all day and not home with each other, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have the relationships they have with each other. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't stop because my adult children, my oldest son who is 32, he and my 17 year old son, like they are best friends. They are the best of friends. And it it goes that way throughout the kids. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like a couple of kids tend to buddy up from a young age with an older sibling, but then as they get older, it's just this inner mix of best friends when they're mm-hmm. all home together, which we try to do about once a month, all get together. It's just like a big party and a group of friends, you know, getting back together. They talk in text throughout the week. Some of them work together. Mm-hmm. It is, it is just amazing to see, but yes, exactly what you said when you're all together all the time. Well, let me tell you what i I've, I've always told moms this, look, It is easy to get along with strangers. Mm -hmm. It is easy to be nice to the person at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It is easy to get along with your coworkers. But if you can get along with your siblings, that is the real test. That's the test because you can Mm -hmm. be nice to somebody you're never going to see again. Mm -hmm. That's easy. But if you can be with your siblings all day, every day and end up liking each other, Now, that's something to talk about. Mm -hmm.
1: Because we see all the worst in each other. We have to learn to say, I'm sorry. We have to learn to ask for forgiveness. I found Mm -hmm. that true too with homeschooling and being around the kids all the time I, I say this as well like it is easy to send the kids off to the to the teacher and say like they can deal with their bad attitude or whatever uh-huh. but it is harder to be like no I'm the parent and we're going to mush through this even if it's ugly and you know gross and whatever yeah. even if it's mom who has the bad attitude right <laughs> like a lot of our stuff comes out because we yes. are with our kids all day and it's yep. it's, it's amazing I always like <laughs> I, I clearly Clearly, think I. I before I was married, before I had kids, I thought I am such a nice person. I'm so easy to get along with, and then it's like, why am I so mad, or why am I so that? It's like the ugly comes out, right? Yes, we see, we see ourselves, and it's hard, but it's also a good thing because then we can deal yes. with it
0: instead and of that's that's why motherhood is so sanctifying. It is, it brings those things out in us. Yep. I know I've heard so many women say, man, I never knew what a sinner I was till I had children. (laughs) Yes,
1: it is the truth. Yes.
0: So, so I want to circle around
1: now to the young mom who's listening and you, I'm sure you you're, you're talking about nostalgia and thinking back to when your kids were little and you know how difficult it is when you're surrounded by all these little people and you're exhausted and you're just like, you know, you feel like you're in a monotony every day. You're doing the same thing over and over. Can you, how can you encourage that young mom with littles to today who's thinking like, you know, how do I even start with trying to forge relationships with my toddler? What, What does that look like? And how can you encourage her?
0: Sure. And I was there, let me tell you, I had three children rather spaced apart. And then my last seven were born in eight years. So I was the mom with three older children, and then five kids, five and under, and then six kids, six and under. So I have definitely been in that space where you are literally surrounded by little children. Mm -hmm. There's no getting away. You know, you've still got toddlers waking up in the night and a newborn Mm -hmm. and it is hard. It is really hard. Even my daughter with a two-year-old and a five-month old, man, it's exhausting. So that's the first thing I would say is, If you're exhausted and frustrated and it's really, really hard, yes, it is really, really hard. And there's really nothing that's going to make that easier. That's just a hard stage. Mm -hmm. The older your kids get, the less they're going to need your help with every tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of moms look so forward to the kids growing up that they don't realize every age brings its own set of issues. Mm -hmm. So I'm always telling my oldest daughter, like, don't wish this away. Don't wish away these days of you being responsible for every cup of juice and every diaper change and every putting on the shoes and socks. Mm -hmm. And I would tell the mom the same thing I tell my daughter, which is usually two things, read books every day. Every day take some time to sit down with your little ones and just read some books. And the second thing is do not hate their bedtimes. That mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to tell my husband all the time, if only bedtime came at like 1130 30 in oh, the morning, I think I can do oh, it. <laughs> I think I oh, can do it. That's a sore spot in my house. <laughs> yeah. Bedtime.
1: Oh, when they go <clears throat> at the
0: end of the day, yeah. and you're already yeah. so tired. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing, Abby. Man, if I had a three or four-year-old that I could go lay down with right now and sing songs and hold hands and stroke hair until I fell asleep, Mm -hmm. man, I do that with my two-year-old grandson now. I -hmm. I love to have him sleep over because I know that at nap time and bedtime, I'm going to get to go lay down with this Mm -hmm. little warm body who's going to press up against me and fall asleep with his cheek on my cheek because that's the only way he wants to go to sleep. I miss that. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in the middle of it, it's really, really hard. But just know from a 53 year old grandmother, that is one of the things I miss the most. It seems like I miss the hard things Mm -hmm. the most. Those, those days where I've got three kids on my lap and two of them are crying and one's got a messy diaper Mm -hmm. and one's begging for something. Mm -hmm. And You know, there's a little scuffling going on. Like, it is so hard when you're in the middle of it. But Mm. when they get older, it's not easier. And that's kind of what I tell all these young moms. It's like, Mm. I know you think when they get older, it's going to be easier. Okay. But the problems change and they're not as easy to solve. Mm -hmm. You know, getting a cup of juice is relatively easy compared to helping your 17-year-old who's had his heart broken for the first time Mm -hmm. because you can't really fix that. Mm -hmm. So while it's extremely exhausting and extremely hard, I would say I I really hate because I think young moms think this is a platitude, but I would really say just lean into it as Mm -hmm. much as you can. Try to enjoy every part of it you can mm-hmm. do things you enjoy and bring the kids along with you. Cause you know, that's one of the things that I did to keep me sane was I still did things I loved mm-hmm. and the kids just had to come along with me. Well, what ended up happening was, you know, my kids ended up loving the same things I loved because it's what they did. Mm-hmm. So I have a bunch of readers. I have a bunch of kids who love to go to the beach, a bunch of kids who love to be around the water who love music because that's what I did with them because I was trying to still pursue my interests while still raising them. Yeah. And so I ended up raising a bunch of kids who have a lot of the same interests as I do.
1: Yes.
0: But but start early, you know, that's why I say read to your kids every single day because you'll raise readers that way mm-hmm. and then you'll all enjoy book discussions when they get older. Yeah. So just those special little things, sing to them, teach them Bible verses, whatever you have to do to get through the day, mm-hmm. but just try to, Try to stay in their world as much as possible instead of always wanting to escape.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's really important what you said too is continue to do the things you enjoy as much as you can. I think that helps you not to feel burnout and like you're putting yeah. your life on hold to raise children, which you, you know, in some ways we are and we're sacrificing, but in some ways we can keep doing some of these things that we love and that's part of who we are and are the things we enjoy. I, I agree with that. And I feel like that helped me through some of the years of raising. I had, I didn't have as many as you did, but I had four okay. little boys in four years. And I felt that same struggle of like, this is all I'm doing every day. But when I had some hobbies or things I could do on the side and I did it with the kids there, same thing. It, it, I think it really did help through those monotonous years. I love that. That's And get uh, a
0: babysitter if you can. Mm-hmm. Find a friend who will help you. Mm-hmm. That is one thing I think is super 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 important. My older children literally saved me many times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, we, we weren't the kind of large family where my older kids were responsible for any of the little kids. We never, I was responsible for my children. Mm -hmm. I put all the shoes on. I did all the dressing. I, you know, Mm -hmm. but my older kids would save me sometimes and say, mom, go do so-and-so, whatever it was. They'll be like, we've got this. You just go do something. So find that person Mm -hmm. who will give you some time, whether it's your husband, your mom, a sister, a friend, your church. Mm -hmm. somewhere where you can get that little bit of time to do something you want to do, even if it's just for a few minutes. But I do caution young moms to not always be trying to get away because truly the solution for feeling burned out with your children is to spend more time with your children, but doing the right things, Mm -hmm. like really being involved with them, Being involved with things they enjoy and that you enjoy that you're passing on to them, but stop feeling the need to escape all the time, because all that does is make you want to escape more. When you get a little break, you want another break and you just start to look so forward to the breaks. Yeah. You're not enjoying what's going on between the breaks. That makes sense. Now, as we wrap up here, what
1: about the mom of teens who's <clears throat> struggling? Uh, you know, We know the teen years are talked about as being these tumultuous years. Well, what if someone is listening and it's like, well, I haven't pursued relationships as much as I would like, and now I have teenagers. Is it too late for me or how- how would you encourage that mom?
0: Well, first of all, it's never, ever, ever too late in God's economy. There's no such thing as too late until you're dead. Mm-hmm. So it's never too late. Your teenagers, they want relationships with you. Um, my parents divorced when I was 16 years old and I went to live with a grandmother at the time and I went from a home where it was very strict to a home where, There wasn't a parent there for me and there were no rules. I was, I was 16 years old, completely free to do whatever I wanted. Mm. And I lasted in that environment about a year before I needed to move because I just couldn't, I couldn't be responsible for myself. Mm. I was 16 years old. Teenagers want relationships with their parents, In in normal families, and I use normal very loosely there because I came from a very dysfunctional family. But basically, if a child has a parent Mm -hmm. and it's not an abusive situation, they want relationships with you. And most of the time, I think one of the easiest ways to get back in is either through music or books. Mm -hmm. Every teenager listens to music. I mean, in my house, music has been a huge thing. Not... And I'm not talking musical instruments. I'm talking Spotify, Apple Music, you know, whatever, whatever platform they're using. Every teenager is listening to music. Mm -hmm. So I let my kids be DJ in the car and I hear a lot of new music that way. And I just ask them questions about it. You know, I just ask them questions like, who is this? Like, what else of theirs have you listened to? What seriously? Everybody in the world likes to talk about Mm themselves. We are very self-absorbed people as the human race. So just starting to ask some questions that aren't too probing, because if you haven't built those relationships, you don't want to come off as super nosy because that's going to push them away. They're going to be like, why are you all of a sudden asking me all these questions? Mm -hmm. And they're going to clam up. But if you just, again, try to get into their world, find out what they're interested in, take them shopping, take them out to eat. It might be awkward at first. And I talk a lot about that on my podcast, Abby, about how I really believe awkward keeps us from doing a lot of things that we know we need to do. And we don't do it because we're afraid it's going to feel awkward. But I find that what happens is if you push through the first time, very quickly, the awkward goes away and you start to it starts to feel a little more normal and besides your your relationships with your children are at stake so what are you willing to face to build relationships can you deal with a little bit of awkward can you deal with the fact that your child for the first 6 months you try this might push you away but it's okay just keep trying to get into their world asking questions finding what they're interested in Pursuing that. You know, we we have to pursue our children the way that God pursues us. He doesn't let us just get away. He really wants a relationship with us, so he pursues us. And that to me, I, I told one of my children one time they were angry with me about something and not speaking to me. And they were, I don't know, maybe 18, 19 at the time. They weren't. They weren't at home at the time and they hung up on me on the phone. And so I texted this child and I said, you can hang up on me. You can not come home tonight. You can do whatever you want to do, but I will chase you down until the day I die. I will never stop chasing you. And I think if you haven't, if you haven't really, really invested Start out slow. Don't start running after your kids. like and scare them. But just start slow. Just you know, start getting into their world a little bit. Find out what they're interested in if you don't know. and start asking questions. It's not that hard. It, it's simple, but it's not easy.
1: Mm,
0: like yeah. a lot of things in parenting. It's pretty simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, that, that is very practical
1: and wise mm-hmm. advice. Thank you for sharing that because I know a lot of parents are probably in that situation. So I think that's really helpful. Um, well, we- and now I'm sorry, I don't mean to okay. interrupt
0: you, but, but we're recording this
1: mm-hmm.
0: in October. Mm-hmm. We're seven months into COVID quarantine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parents have their teenagers home with them all day for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And I've thought a lot about that, about how much new conflict there is. Parents are dealing with things they've not ever had to deal with because they haven't had to be with their children all day ever. Mm -hmm. And there are probably some angry teens and some scared parents who have been thrown together and they haven't had to do this before. Mm -hmm. But man, They're like, there's no better time to do this than now. Like you've got them. You've got them. They can't get away from you. There's nowhere they can go. There's no parties, no football games, no basketball games, no school, nothing. You've got them. So my goodness, use this time to start building those relationships. This is a gift.
1: Yes. And I love what you said. Embrace this awkwardness because everything, when you first try it, it's going to be awkward, especially if you're teenagers and you haven't tried to really get to their heart before and have these discussions, it's going to feel weird. But if you yes. just <laughs> say, let's just, we're just going to still try, that's important not to run away because it's different or yeah. awkward or you're not used to it.
0: So yeah. that, that's very true. There's another um, phrase that I always tell moms of teens, embrace the awkward and don't engage because when the drama starts, mm-hmm. they're going to try to pull you into that little emotional tornado they have going on Mm -hmm. And so my motto for teenagers has always been, don't engage. It's okay to walk away. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say to your teen, I love you. This is not productive. So I'm going to walk away and I want us to have a conversation later when we're both calmed down, don't say when you're calmed down, mm-hmm. when we, when we're both calm, but just don't engage all those emotional whirlwinds that tend to revolve around teens. Yeah. Be calm, be the mom, don't engage and just give it time.
1: Yeah.
0: Most yeah. anything in the world, if you just give it time, it tends to kind of <laughs> settle yeah. a little.
1: Yes. Thank you for that wisdom. As someone who's lived through it many times with many teenagers, I'm I'm sure you're speaking from a lot of experience there, but that's super helpful for the rest of us who are coming along behind you. Now, what about your um, how to homeschool? You have a how to homeschool um, resource on your blog that I'm going to link to in the show notes, but I would love it if you could tell my listeners what to expect and what they can do with it.
0: Okay, sure. It's funny because I titled it How to Homeschool. And then when I started talking about it, everybody was like, you should have called this How to Parent. You should have called this How to Live mm-hmm. because it's not about homeschooling, but it is titled How to Homeschool, but but it definitely is applicable to more than that. And so what I did was I came out with this because so many people were having to start homeschooling because of covid And of course, I get asked about homeschooling a lot. So I took the word begin because a lot of people were having to begin and I just broke begin down. And so I have a five-part podcast series that goes along with the handout that steps you through each letter. And so the B stands for begin with the end in mind. The E is to examine yours and your child's strengths and weaknesses. The G is for gathering information. I is for identifying your priorities. And the N, I I always tell people they've got to listen to get the N. (laughs) Don't usually give the N away. But if you go and look at the handout, you'll see what the N is. Um, And so it just kind of steps you through going from start to finish. When people start homeschooling or even parenting, they tend to go to the G first, gather information. They want to talk to all their homeschool friends. They want to get online and see how to homeschool, and that's not where you start. You need to start by thinking about what your end goal is and looking at where you're already strong, where you're weak, and what you need to shore up before you get started. So if they go to onefaithfulmom.com slash begin, they can see the resource I've got there, the cheat sheet. And then I know you're going to link to the podcast, but episodes five through nine, each day I walk through one of those letters and exactly how to use it. And I ask a lot of probing questions to help you think through each step.
1: Awesome. This sounds very helpful. And I know my listeners are going to want to go check it out. But Dawn, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share your wisdom. You've you've lived this full life with all these stages and ages. So I really appreciate you sharing with us about
0: relational mothering. Thank you. Well, I am so happy to do so. You know, when they ask the question, what could you talk about in your sleep? It's, it's either homeschooling or being a mom. Yes, <laughs> It's been my career.
1: Yes. So I love it. Thanks again. Thank you, Abby. I hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Dawn. Make sure you check out the links to her podcast and her website. You can find all those links in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 84. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.